We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we are looking at the Coljack, the Night Stalker episode, Chopper. Condominium builders are relocating a cemetery, but an accident unleashes a spectral nightmare. A nightmare bent on wreaking revenge on those who killed him. Kolchak is drawn to the scene of a murder, where a motorcyclist wielding a sword decapitates a taxi driver. The police captain in charge is keeping a tight rein on information, but Kolchak gleans that the eyewitness saw that the killer was a headless motorcycle rider. The witness is placed in a psych ward. Kolchak's investigation reveals that a motorcycle of that like hasn't been seen on this earth for 20 years. He also uncovers that the taxi driver was formerly a member of the Jokers, a motorcycle gang from the 1950s that, along with their rival gang, the Bishops, terrorized Chicago. It is revealed that the Jokers accidentally beheaded a bishop known as the Swordsman, and his headless body returned to kill one of their members back in the 50s before they realized that they needed to reunite the head with the body to put the spirit to rest. The move of the cemetery has separated the parts once more, and the chopper rides again. As the former members of the Jokers slowly dwindle, it's up to Kolchak to reunite the rider with his head. Okay, um, I'm just going to say something. We, we haven't covered this too much in the past, and and I, I think I figured out why. Sometimes when I'm watching a show, I pay attention to who the writer is. Sometimes when I'm watching a show, I don't pay attention at all. Now, for some reason, when we're watching Coljack, I almost never pay attention to who the writer was. And I think I figured out why. Because, like, if you're watching Doctor Who, right? Doctor Who, The Deadly Assassin, by Robert Holmes, Part 1. Very... Very prominent, right? First thing off the bat, who it's written by. In the case of Kolchak, not only do we have a huge, long opening piece before they even start the credits, but then they run the credits, they run the cast, and eventually they get along to saying who the writer and the teleplay writer are, and it's way down the line. And by that, I've tuned them out. I think that's what it is. I just... I don't see it at this point. I'm, I'm in the story, and once I'm in the story, I ignore the stuff going on at the bottom unless it, it catches my eye. And it, it just happened to catch my eye this week. I don't know if you saw who the writers uh, were on this or not. I, I spotted that the story was by someone with um, a name. A name, yes. Yes. So we, we have briefly mentioned that David Chase, who did the teleplay, was one of the two doing the teleplay on this and is involved heavily in this show, has gone on to things like producer of The Sopranos and The Rockford Files and, and has been and has written many things and, and is a kind of a big deal. But then the two, the two writers who did the story for this, um, were Bob Gale, who you actually, probably should know because he's also an uh, Oscar uh, nominated writer and Bob Zemeckis and Zemeckis's name is bigger Zemeckis, Zemeckis is, ba- is Back to the Future right? Back to the Future uh, Forrest Gump 
romancing the stone. Um, yes, yes, yeah, you know, stuff you've heard of. He was he was not the he was the director of Forrest Gump and Romancing the Stone, but I mean, he's been a director, he's been a producer, he's been uh, whatnot. Bob Gale was also the co-creator of Back to the Future. Oh, okay, he, he's his writing partner. Yeah, uh, amongst the two. So, don't know why I don't know his name then. I, you know, I never heard it either. <laughs> but uh, apparently. You know, the, and that name, Zemeckis, is so obvious when it went by. So Zemeckis, wait a minute, whoa, and and went back onto him. So again, it's one of these things where just you're kind of surprised sometimes by the pedigree of some of the people who have been working. Uh, Kolchak, now I'm not saying that it reflect, reflects on how whether this was a good story or not, but just I think that's what caught – what I noticed more about it is why I don't notice who the writer is, that it was buried so far into the story – before you get to it, that I just didn't notice it. It didn't pop out at me. You know, like Jim Backus's name popped out at me and as it was going by in the credits. Oh, Mr. Magoo! Uh, you know, and or, you know, Larry Linville, um, Frank Burns from MASH. And uh, so, anyway. Alright, so having gotten that detour out of the way and, and demonstrating to our listeners that we do actually sometimes pay attention to the back scenes stuff on this stuff. Uh, what do you think of Chopper? I'm starting to lose my patience with Kolchak. Um, I have to... The, I, I thought the show was getting better, you know? The, when we were watching sh- episodes like Horror in the Heights and Mr. Ring, where it seemed to be attempting to explore more interesting kinds of concepts and it was maybe or i now start to wonder whether i was being too generous but it was maybe allowing some of the regular cast to actually develop a third dimension to their characters (sighs) i don't know and this just seems like hey what can we come up with this week that will let us do some motorcycle stunts (laughs) and 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 you know some kind of uh, subplot for Vincenzo where we can just carry on playing on this you know this idea of him being so uh, anxious about Kolchak all the time that now he's going to get an ulcer and that'll be funny yeah because ulcers know, are funny yeah because ulcers are funny and because Vincenzo is this two dimensional character. Um, and it really doesn't help that this is this is done so badly, especially the kind of c- crucial opening shots where we get the the headless rider. And I think what's worse about this is it the the headless and I I use the word um, in its loosest sense rider um, with his enormous shoulders and his arms <laughs> rather. Um, rather unconventionally coming out from halfway down his torso or is it the 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 kind of badly staged attempts to avoid him as his as his victim just kind of throws himself wildly over the nearest taxi regardless of whether the motorcycle is heading in his direction or whether that's the quickest way out of the way and and his colleague is just sort of standing there watching and then you get that freeze frame thing that we've talked about before which is clearly intended to convey something gruesome without 
actually going to the trouble of depicting it or getting into trouble for depicting it. Yeah, I think it's the latter there, yeah, but... Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and uh, well, I, I mean, I don't know, because they haven't gone to a lot of... The reaction is so... so badly edited. It's just... it. <laughs> None of it. None of it is done tightly or carefully enough to convey any sense of reality or real danger for it. Um, I mean, ultimately, I think all of that is overshadowed by just how bad the score is. But blimey, they really are trying to compete for being the worst element of this show. Well, I think I think the score that you're complaining about is the same score that was the one they used in the last time you complained about the score. <laughs> well, obviously, I, I must shock. have, um, yeah, I must have, have, have blanked that from my the horror of that from my memory. Uh, the, the the trauma was obviously something that my brain was just unwilling to retain, but. At least <laughs> uh, I'm consistent. <laughs> apparently so. Yeah, they have the. Particularly the the violin piece, uh, I think it's a violin piece. It's some sort of string instrument piece that they play that seems to make no sense whatsoever at certain points during the course of the story. And that's 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 the part that stands out to me about the score. And it's exactly what was standing out about the score the last time you talked about the score. It's like how how, how bad it was. And it's Jerry Fielding, who is not an unaccomplished. Uh, score writer from that era. I mean, I, I know several of his other credits. He's done episodes of Star Trek. He's done uh, when you say Hogan's Heroes. Um, when you say he's accomplished, do you mean he has produced other good scores, or he's yes. prolific? Um, he's produced what I consider to be good scores. Um, this is not exactly one of them by any stretch of the imaginations, but part of the problem is obviously that the music is being used inappropriately. It's not, it it didn't, didn't leap out at me. Yeah. Yeah. But it didn't, it didn't, it didn't particularly the, 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 the music we get in the, the, the scene early on, immediately following the decapitation, just, jarred with me like i didn't like the cue and it just really didn't fit the scene that it was supposed to be accompanying yeah yeah that's 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 problem here definitely problem and and i'll and going back to your other comment i would i i i think we could go to incompetently directed is is probably a fair assessment of this episode um yeah. to you know in two different ways there were there were scenes where like at the funeral parlor where the three of them are are bunched up in the doorway talking with Kolchak while the people in the the funeral home were you know shushing mm-hmm. them and looking at them and yes i know that that was supposed to be intrusive and obnoxious and impolite but because of the way that they were standing there all you had to do is to take one step back and slide the door yeah right it so was staged very very strangely staged very strangely if they'd placed them somewhere else where their back was up against the wall and they couldn't they couldn't walk away without walking in front of the casket or it's still yeah 
it's they, still rude, they had but... they had no reason to be standing where they were standing except to give the woman an excuse to shh them. Yes. So there was that, and then there has, and this has always been true in any show where you have a menacing motorcycle. Whether it's headless or not. It's a genre, is it? It's, it's, it's a genre of whenever someone's attacking someone on a motorcycle, you're like, how is it that a person on foot can't outmaneuver a motorcycle? Because mm. you can. You know, don't, it, it's like trying to outrun a car. You don't outrun a car well, by going straight ahead. You outrun a car by going somewhere where the car can't go. You do the same with a motorcycle. In a warehouse, in a, in a building, Covered with taxis and doorways, you just go through a door or stand on top of a taxi or <laughs> get in Which a taxi. Would, wouldn't be a problem if your motorcyclist wasn't compelled to remain on the motorcycle. Well, you're, you're strange not a, reason. If you had a gun, that's a different story. If you got a guy with a sword, no, no, no. I mean, if you if you if you if you're wielding a sword and you're your uh, intended victim runs through a doorway or whatever, or behind a taxi. Then you leap off your bike and you go and hit yes. him with the sword behind the taxi. That's that's not a problem. It's if you have to stay on the motorbike, then there are places that you won't be able to follow him. And so then the motorcyclist is at an incredible well, disadvantage. What's supposed to be an advantage in the motorcycle becomes nothing other than oh, okay now i've got a guy in a sword that's a different that's a different running and hiding dynamic than when he's on the yeah. motorcycle when he's on the motorcycle it's easy so you yeah. get him off the motorcycle then it's, it's, you can the, try the, to defend yourself the, the the comparison is is uh you know the the scene in north by northwest oh with the plane. Uh, you know the one i'm thinking of where the crop duster comes along Kerry grant standing in the middle of nowhere and Th- there is no cover for him, and clearly, in a situation like that, you cannot outrun a plane. So okay. the plane has the absolute advantage. You can think of a, a, a number of other situations where, if the only threat against you is is a plane, and if, if you're in a forest or if there is a uh, if there are rocks to 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 hide behind, whatever, then you're you're at least going to be able to find some sort of cover. Mm-hmm. Now, now here. The guy, the guy could take. I mean, he does use the taxis as some sort of cover, but only, only in the sense that we we need to prolong this chase uh-huh. for however many minutes they've decided that it's going to need to take. So he has to jump out of the way once. He has to jump out of the way twice. He has to jump out of the way three times, and then fourth time he's going to get it. Yeah, no, I'm and, screaming at the screen. Yeah. <laughs> and and the guy in the doorway, what's he thinking? You know, what's his motivation there? He he do, he wants to help the man. He probably doesn't want to get sliced up by the sword. But, but he doesn't even hang up with all the police. Yeah, what are the options available to him? I mean, let's 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 look around. We're, he he could he could give the guy some advice. He could stay in his doorway in the safety of his doorway and he could yell a, yell, you know, get over there. Come round here. He, or he could well because the motorcyclist can be only in one place at once, and the momentum's carrying him down the other end of the the, the garage. He could run across to help him, or you know, or he could be preparing to run across. You know, he doesn't actually have to. The thing is, the director needs to show 
what mm. he's trying to do, and then give a reason why he can't do it so that, mm-hmm. you know, the jeopardy remains. But there is no effort for that. It's literally what, just, we're going to have a few motorcycle stunts. Do you know what they could have done? Because they, they set the precedent in the Anything. episode when, at the beginning, the motorcycle breaks out of the garage, the home garage. Yeah. Looks like it smashes through the window or through the door. Through the, the door, door yeah. is left intact. It's yes, a ghost. because it's a ghost bike. It's a ghost bike. So, except it's a real bike that was stolen. But that's another story. And a real skeleton. And a real skeleton. But it, it could have just driven through the taxis. Yeah. And killed if they'd the guy had there, the special if effects budget. <laughs> yeah. Because they we, don't have yeah, to show the which, strike. They, it, it could have been even more, uh, oh, you can't escape this. Because my first thought is, I can definitely be somewhere where this motorcycle can't get me. This room is filled with stuff, and I just hunker down until he gets off that motorcycle. And then I work on a new problem. You know, but I'm not even asking for anything as inventive or no. as expensive as the motorcycle driving through the taxis. I just want the thing to be filmed in a way that at least gives me something to suspend my disbelief from. Yeah. And, and so what got me... Now, given that, right, given that scene, and I really was like, uh, you know, not terrified, not in suspense. I was irritated watching the scene because the guy was just not doing anything that should have prolonged his life. But but you do – I do have to ask the question. This is not where I was going, but I might as well throw it out there for the moment. Is the purpose of the motorcyclist to – exclusively kill him or to terrorize him and to kill him because if there if it's the latter then he can't just pop out of nowhere strike him dead and run on because there's no there's no terror in that no but and 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 it, and it probably is the latter especially given that he never pops out of nowhere he has a motorcycle sound effect that comes on about a good five minutes before he ever appears yes quite quite the motorcycle sound yeah and, but then, so with the incredible amount of frustration that I had with that scene, the next time the motorcyclist appears, Studs just climbs the pole. He just hops back on his telephone pole and yeah. the motorcyclist goes, yep, can't do anything about that, heads on. That made perfect sense to me. In fact, when he was coming down from the pole, Chris, when he was coming down from the pole and I hear the motorcycle, now that works because we, the audience, know what it is, but he does not. I mean, he knows it's a motorcycle, but he doesn't recognize the implications that this is a headless motorcycle killer. Coming no, but he, does, he doesn't even appear to be aware that it's there is a, a motorcycle coming because it would appear... Yeah. Well, it, I'm not sure. I think it, a, a car on the road, you would be looking to see whether you should be stepping out into right, the road. Enough, it looks much more to me like an actor who hasn't been told by the director that there's going to be a motorcycle sound effect played across this and that actually... Okay, fair enough. The, fair enough. the motorcycle, as far as he's concerned, isn't there yet. Yep. Okay, I, I'll go along with that. I but but from the audience standpoint, or at least from my standpoint, the fact that you hear the motorcycle coming and he as he's going down the pole, it's one of those things like you're going to exactly the wrong spot to be when that motorcyclist gets here, which is true. And then 
When yes. he sees it, he climbs back up the pole, which is exactly the right place to be. Oh, it's a good idea. And the motorcyclist just leaves because no, I'm not going to get him today. That works. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that intelligence into the first scene. (laughs) But but it's not just about intelligence. It's it's about execution. And I think that scene was badly executed as well, because they tried to get all of the tension from having the, the motorcycle approaching for the five minutes while he's very, very, very slowly climbing down the pole and clipping or unclipping the things from his belt or whatever business he's doing in order to kill another five minutes before the next advert break and then eventually when the motorcyclist does come it it, you know it's 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 one pass shin up the pole job done whereas actually you know if if you wanted the tension in it it wouldn't have been in the it wouldn't have been in the coming down the pole it would have been in the the pole is just you have it there to provide the way in which you're going to get out of the situation so you you know it's it's there just to be paid off later but realistically um you don't need more than just seeing him shin quickly down it and then when the motorcyclist is on him maybe he maybe you know maybe he can't get get his foot up quick enough he has to swing round the other side of the pole or dash round it you know you could have a, you could get a couple of passes out of that you could have you could have some near misses as he he tries to get out of him. well i <laughs> he might have needed an axe rather than a sword but i don't know i i do wonder whether a headless cyclist who has no other purpose than uh seeking revenge and who has already been hanging around in a grave for 19 years would just go oh well he's up a pole i've got other things to do tonight and bugger off he did he did effectively terrorize him though he did the terrorizing but he could have stayed there and done a bit more of the terrorizing because what you know what does the guy do How, how does the guy get out of that he's up a pole sure so this is, you know, this is like maybe hiding behind a rock from the crop duster or whatever, but there's no way of him getting down from the pole. There's no way of him getting anywhere else because unless he can get to his truck and start it up before the motorcyclist gets him, there's nowhere else for him to go. To be fair, the motorcyclist does not seem to have um, a particularly fantastic plan, but we could argue that he just really hasn't got a head on his shoulders for planning. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's so, okay, let, let, let's try to fix it. Right. He could have made a few passes. He could have chopped at that pole because they did show that he left a substantial chunk out of that pole. So another four or five passes on that pole and it we could be given the appearance that it was going to uh, maybe break. Yeah. And maybe we don't want to sit there for four or five more passes of the motorcycle um, where, you know, the, the taxi was much more exciting. But if his intent was to instill terror in the members of the Jokers, it makes much more sense to let the first one go alive for a while. Terrorize him. Make sure could you be. know what's happening. Let him go tell the others so they can be scared, too. But instead, he kills the first one and then terrorizes the second one. So, we, you know, we could have swapped those around a little bit. 
Um, obviously, somebody had to survive it to kind of pass on the information. I, <clears throat> yeah, it's not. It's not particularly well constructed. I, I'm I. I kind of have a fond spot for for Chopper, but at the same time, looking at it critically, <laughs> it's it's not it's not well constructed, and it's filler. It's just I. There's a part of me that wonders what goes through the the minds of the producers when they're making stuff like this, because there is nothing to this story. It's literally just. If we put a few, if we put a few stunts on a bike in it, and we have our characters, our two-dimensional characters behaving in a two-dimensional way for the usual forty-five minutes, then enough people will watch it that we'll get away with it. I mean, we we can we can reveal. I think I don't think it's. I I don't I don't think that when we look at these stories, we can definitely map them chronologically in the order that they were conceived or written. I don't think it works quite like that, but but maybe to some degree. Darren McGavin definitely had problems with a lot of the scripts that were being cranked out at the last possible moment. Hmm. Because they were they were behind or they were took a long time to film or they took That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. It feels like people with their backs to the wall, yes. having to make a show, and, that's exactly and not having the time to, to 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 write a good script or to actually put because I think there, I think there are two problems here. One is the kind of paucity of the ideas in terms of the whole monster of the week concept, and the other is the execution of it because it is. As you put it, somewhat incompetently directed, or maybe it's a maybe it's a competent director with literally no time to film the episode properly. So he's throwing something because some of the shots are okay, and some of the performances are no worse than we've seen in other episodes. But there are sequences that you know it would take time to do properly. Which clearly haven't been done properly. And there's a couple that stand out that, that stood out to me visually. They stood out to me. And now that we're talking about the talking about the directory, directory, the directing, um, I, I'm I'm beginning to wonder if there's something to that it wasn't. So, for example, when Studs is in the Cook County warehouse and he's looking around, he is clearly in a warehouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, set and he's despite the fact that it appears to be filled with gigantic empty cardboard boxes that's one but he's looking around what appears to be a warehouse Kolchak is watching him in a bright white suit standing in a in a room that is so dark there is absolutely no features visible as far as I can tell behind him it's almost like they filmed him in front of a black curtain. Hmm. He's just kind of standing there and, and well, reacting as if, you know, he's nowhere even near when the scene is being shot. He, he's probably not. Yeah. You know, so as, it, as, like as, as an expression or, or, or a, a, an availability question, because yes. was, was Dar- Darren McGavin not available 
for some days filming on this, and therefore did they have to shoot more than would be ideal? I mean, this is this is a this is a a tough show for Darren McGavin. We've, I mean, when we look at Doctor Who, for example, we know that there's always going to be an episode in each season where one of the principals gets an episode off and the other the other principal can pick it up or you can have a completely Doctor-like story like The Wonderful Blink. Um, but, there, you know, there is there is a need in some way to do that because either the Doctor or the Companion is on screen almost all of the time for Doctor Who. But at least there's two of them. And mm. and you know similarly with with the Avengers there are there are episodes in each season where it's a a keel light or a steed light or a peel light or whatever, so that that mm. actor can have a bit of holiday or whatever. Darren McGavin's carrying this whole thing on his own, and he can't have a week off. I I wonder if I wonder if that's a. a British television versus American television, because if if you were to look at TV shows from the 60s and 70s in the U.S., any kind of cop show, Kojak, Mannix, Cannon, Barnaby Jones, uh, Rockford Files, any of those, they're in every episode. They are the star and feature. In every every scene, scene. though? Pretty much every scene. 90% of the scenes of every episode, they are are in it. I, I think our production... Now, okay... You come to Doctor Who now, modern Doctor Who. They're filming what twenty hours a day, seven days a week for six. So I, I get it. I don't think it was that bad back, at least in the U.S. In this, I'm sure they worked twelve hours a day, five days a week. I've read enough about it to know that, but probably, I, I don't know. Well, with the, I, I don't know. Well, I, think it's, that, it's I mean, that, it may be, it may be something different about American and British television in terms of the or labor rules or the speed they're produced. Well, you know, may, maybe, but I mean, we're talk when we when we're talking about shows like The Avengers, we're going back to the sixties. We're we're mm-hmm. for for every season ran for at least six months of the year, mm-hmm. and. So, you know, the the filming of it would be considerably longer than that. And, yeah, I guess people are entitled to, to holidays. Look, I mean, you see, the, the, see uh, the same thing with early Doctor Who. People, it's so tight. If, if an actor has a holiday, they have to be written out of the episode. And if an actor is unwell, thinking about uh, uh, Fraser Hines in mm-hmm. The Mind Robber, for example, then you've got to... You've got to cover that some other way. You can't suspend filming. But look at the old ITV shows. The Saint. There's mm-hmm. a perfect one. Roger Moore's in absolutely every one of those. All the way through. So I, I don't know how they did it. But I, you know, some shows, I think that's the expectation. I, I, I don't... I'm not saying that... They must have episodes that, that the lead isn't in every scene somehow. I... I it, you know, it stands out like a sore thumb in Doctor Who. I mean, the first time they did that with, what, Love and Monsters, notwithstanding my opinion of Love and Monsters, it stands out like a sore thumb that they're not there. And it's true yeah. in it's true in Doctor Who. If you're watching um, Enemy of the World and suddenly there's a whole episode where, you know, someone's just not there, you, you do kind of 
you do kind of notice, but they've got several people to bounce off. But but you get a story, you get a show that is about a particular person, like the saint. <laughs> He's they're there. It's hmm. it's it's you know, and the, well, there difference is the difference between ITV and BBC. Yeah, um, yeah, and it, and it well, I, well, it is. Except you know, I, because I'm not as familiar with the saint. I, I, you know, I couldn't tell you how many episodes there were in a typical season, how frequent the seasons were, how, you know, therefore how long the breaks would be and so on and so forth. But The Avengers is an ITV production and I think in every single season there is an episode where you can point to that's where that principal had their holiday. I think that's, I I don't think that's unreasonable, but then we did have two very equal leads. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it makes it easier for them to do it. But, it's... But, ha- but then you've got to ask, okay, how do you do it on a show where you're unable to do that? And the thing may be that if if uh, on uh, The Avengers or Doctor Who or whatever, you have some, I mean, obviously a lot of things happen simultaneously, but you, you, you've got, because you've got rehearsals going on for one episode, you've got filming going on for another episode... But the same the same people can't be in two places at once, and therefore, um, you know, you've only got a certain allotted amount of time that you can make the episode in. But if the episode takes two weeks, say, but on another show you can make an episode in one week, well, maybe that's where you where that's where you can get the time from. Now, what I'm wondering, you know, bringing this back to the question of Chopper, is how much time they actually have to make these episodes because I'm, I'm starting to think it's an afternoon. It's, it's showing, it's showing as if they really, really need more. Well, you know, there's, there's another, not just vacations, but there's another reason why those things happen. So, and this could be, don't know the Avengers. I do know this is true with space 1999, particularly in the, in the second season and and although ben and i are working on those now we haven't gotten any of them yet but i i know this from past that there are some episodes where they will take commander koenig and and the science officer and they will put them on an eagle and you will watch the entire thing with Barbara Bain and the people on Moonbase alpha solving a problem and they'll phone in and they'll call koenig and uh, on the, and he'll be out, you know, I'm out checking the stuff in this quadrant seven and we'll be back next week. And that's all you get <laughs> of him. That's exactly. All you get of him. But, but he's filming another episode with another unit because they're behind. Yes. And so they've, yes. they've swapped out the cast for two entirely different stories so that they can catch up which to be behind. which to be fair i think is how they is how they schedule the doctor who stuff because so. they don't have long enough to, to to film everything back to back but i mean the, the end result is the same which is that they would have to if they couldn't do that they would have to start a month earlier and therefore you know that's a a, a month more of that actor's time or a month less when they can't be sunning themselves in barbados i <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Later but on, it, we schedule know. their we schedule their filming in foreign countries, so that they can build a vacation into the shooting schedule for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But but and and yeah, maybe 
maybe they should have taken Kolchak when when he got offered that chance to go to San Francisco or wherever, um, so he could have a bit of a holiday. But but the you know regardless of, regardless of whether those things are are, are done as a way of uh, du- doubling up to get the thing finished more quickly, or as a way to to give the actor an actual break during shooting, the same. The same problem arises with with Kolchak, which is there's one Darren McGavin, yeah, and if they fall behind, they can't go. They can't keep yeah. keep filming on one episode while they start the next episode because Darren McGavin can't be in both places at once. But they could be doing the pickup shots, like where he's standing there, kind of going, oh, oh, yeah, like that. They, they could and I'm sure they are a different show. I'm 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 absolutely certain that that is what was going on here. That 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 those, those shots are down to the fact that Darren McGavin was not available for enough of it to be able to film with the guy playing studs in all the scenes with the guy playing studs. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Because I mean, he and then when the guy gets murdered, he kind of like woohoo, tips my hat. I better get out of here. It's like you're at the scene of a crime. You're a reporter. Pictures. Stay there. Wait for the cops. You got no problem. <laughs> you yeah. were following the guy. And <clears throat> anyway, I, I, I will throw this one last thought here. Maybe this is the answer. In the United States, you can just use for shows like that. It's like you get a vacation when the show is canceled. <laughs> that could yeah. be it anyway um you can sleep when you're dead that's right sleep is for the dead which would fit with like the guys running the sopranos so uh, <laughs> <laughs> um the return if not the shouty cop then certainly the return of the antagonistic police yeah. officer yeah um I, that felt very perfunctory to me in this episode that that the policeman really didn't have a lot to do i still i still think i'm i'm gonna have a pop at the show as a whole again uh on this because while while we while we had those episodes while it seemed to be improving it seemed to be going in a different direction where they didn't need to have shouty cop every week mm-hmm. but Given that, given that this is where they're going back to, why the hell couldn't they have, as a member of the regular cast, a policeman with him, with whom Kolchak has a relationship, and 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 develop that as a as an ongoing storyline? Because Up Dyke and even Miss Emily, they have nothing to do in. Nine out of ten episodes, nothing at all. They're literally just yeah. They 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 have they have a line or two here, which is some kind of stock gag based on their their character. Oh, they're uptight. Oh, they're old, and then that's it. Shunt them off for another week. Why are we paying them? Sorry, I mean, yeah. Who, <laughs> why are they? Why are they drawing a salary every week for that? When you could have someone who was actually useful to the regular plots in the form of someone in the police. And you wouldn't then be requiring your writer every week to come up with a new, different, but identically shouty policeman. And yes, and I, 
I kind of feel like there's a little bit of writer's guilt in this episode because Miss Emily is actually very useful to Carl. She does at least two things for him. One of them is finding the guy in the the psych ward, and I can't remember what the other one is, but, you know, what she accomplished could have been easily just written off with Kolchak saying, I did a little digging, and I found yeah. him in the psych ward. And so they're, they're, like they're doing it because she's there. She'd have a be part of the quote unquote family. I uh, entirely agree. And I, and I, I, I think once or twice they've got, they've, they've done well once really, which was when, uh, Miss Emily took an interest in a story. Uh, was it the horror in the Heights? Where it was, con- where it was, where there was, there was a connection with elderly folks, yeah. people and, and, that that resonated with her, and you could see you could see her taking an interest, and that was when her character appeared to become a tiny, tiny bit three dimensional. And mm-hmm. so, when I say even Miss Emily, is because I think there is the scope there for them to do something where they actually build her up as Kolchak's sidekick. And everyone loves if, Miss Emily. Well, if they wanted to, <laughs> she 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 could be the Scully to Kolchak's Mulder. It would, you know, it could. It's a, it's a much more um, interesting dynamic than the than the one they've got, and it's quite an unconventional one, and it would be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they don't appear to be interested in doing anything like that. I, I think, I think they definitely needed that. I think they, yeah, yeah. It's it's another miscalculation, and I, I, you know, I, I can see. I can see the indelible stamp of all those shows I mentioned earlier, Mannix and ba- Cannon and Kojak and whatnot. There is, there is, hmm. perhaps Kojak less so, but but the, all the ones about private detectives, which is kind of the role that Kojak is filling. That usually the police have a, an entourage of other policemen who help them, like Hawaii Five O or whatnot, where where they can farm some of the work out to his to his minions. But if you have a show like Mannix, he's got a secretary, and she, you know, fields phone calls. She's doing exactly what Miss Emily does for him, and um, I, I, I think that 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 formula probably was just sort of de facto stamped upon Kolchak, and they didn't take the opportunity to rethink what would work better, trying to solve supernatural crimes. Hmm. Right, they're they're looking at this as uh, he's going after the the con man. He's going after the bank robber. They're using that formula where the independent PI often at odds with the police because they don't want him interfering with their investigation. Goes goes at this yeah. case, and you know it, it it needs a rethink. You know that makes so much sense when you when you talk about it like a, a as a private investigator who it you know. Not unfairly, the police force often hate. Mm-hmm. Then that that relationship would make a great deal more sense. I my my feeling. I mean, not having worked as either a policeman or a newspaperman in the nineteen seventies, I don't know. But my sense is there ought to be a much more symbiotic relationship there. Mm-hmm. That 
neither Kolchak nor any of this endless sequence of shouty police captains ever recognise because the police can make use of the of the press. I mean, they do have the press conferences and so forth. And Kolchak, for goodness sake, ought to be trying to cultivate sources in the police rather than endlessly pissing them off. Right. But if, as as you know, you've just done, you you look at that from the perspective of oh, a private investigator and their relationship with the police, there is much less reason for the police to cooperate. And much more likely to be an antagonistic um, kind of working relationship between them. Mm -hmm. One more thing about the cop before I forget it. This is, as I recall, only the second time that we get a coda about what happened to the captain. Mm. We had the one in the zombie where it turned out that the captain was probably crooked. And then he retired. And so we got the, you know, they, they hushed him up and sent him on his way. Here they reduced him to a sergeant in traffic, which seems highly unlikely because he didn't seem like he handled this case that incompetently. No. I mean, yeah, he didn't solve it, but the murder stopped and... And he didn't do anything horribly wrong. No, not that I can see. He didn't do anything horribly wrong. He didn't seem to have pissed anybody off. I don't understand Whereas busting why. a captain down to sergeant and putting him in traffic is like the result of, I don't know, gross misconduct or something, isn't I it? Can't e- yeah, I can't even imagine at that point that if you're going to do that badly to them, you just fire them. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, yeah. you know, he came from lieutenant, which is a detective, to captain, which is also a detective, and then you go down to being a beat cop. Um, no, that's – Wow. No, that 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 you'd have to be so bad. I, I, I always forget that your ranks are different for your detectives and your yeah uniforms. And I'm not entirely understanding of them myself, but I I definitely know that a lieutenant is. You have like D twos and D threes, don't you? Yeah, the the regular detectives, but yeah. it it didn't make any sense to me. I re I replayed that to make sure I hadn't missed Kolchak explaining why he was sergeant in traffic. Nope, not at all. But there's no explanation. It just appeared to be the fact that, that Kolchak didn't like him. And and it makes, it justifies the fact that Kolchak didn't try to charm him in, in some way. I mean, obviously there is that scene where Kolchak does, and I, and I wondered if it had something to do with that scene where the, where, you know, where the people had, where the superiors had been annoyed by how loose-lipped he was with Kolchak. But I can't see why they would be, because it was only he himself who wanted to keep Kolchak in the dark. But obviously you have that scene where Kolchak tricks him into revealing all of the criminal record of whoever it was. Yeah. And that's fair enough, you know, that you you kind of think, well, that, it's, I mean, it's a bit, implausible really but also it, that's all with it with, with yeah within within the kind of rather simplified world uh, that Kolchak exists and you think oh that's fair enough as a kind of journalistic technique for extracting the information if you couldn't get it in any other way but yeah. you've got it you've got you've got to allow for the fact that 
he he didn't really make any effort to get it any any other way. He didn't make an effort to be less obnoxious. And I, I, I will admit the captain was obnoxious too, but still to try and reason with him and explain with him why it was in, in his interests to contribute to Kolchak's story and to try and cultivate him as someone who would in the future perhaps bring Kolchak information so that he would be able to get stories from him going on. Because if he tricks him once, and obviously he, he did it by cl- by making this outrageous claim uh, about uh, his background, mm-hmm. that inevitably the captain was going to find out was a complete fraudulent claim, that almost certainly he would conclude Kolchak had invented it, or at the very best, Kolchak was completely incompetent. Yep. And that's not going to encourage him to give Kolchak anything in the future either. So, Yeah, no, yeah. no it, didn't, it didn't make any sense. And, and like I say, unless they were minors, unless we're talking about their, their juvenile record, that yeah. should have been more or less public record. He should have just been able to go down and have the records drawn for those people. So... <laughs> um, and, and, and there's certainly or, no or even, no reason to withhold or it even from the contact press. his wife and you know and find her the widow of the widow of the man who's killed i think i think kolchak is good enough reporter to find the wife of a, the deceased of a of a man you know even if the police are trying to keep a tight cap on things going and that's the other thing in this episode we've seen some episodes where you have rightly criticized kolchak's reporting skills we have seen some episodes where at least it appears like he is doing his job as a reporter and here though and i think we did this in the last episode that we talked about kolchak seems to be and that was the trevi collection kolchak seems to be a bit more of at times he's shrewd and at times he's kind of bumbling idiot and yeah I don't i don't like that that poorly thought out dichotomy he's he's kind of his character is kind of stretching to whatever the writer needs it to be instead of being who kolchak needs to be to yeah to tell again it's it's something that seems to smack of needing another pass by the script editor or you know the, for the for the director to have the time to 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 make something of it but they didn't I think it's a little bit weird that, I mean, it does happen, but there's usually a story behind it. When you have story by person A and person B, and you have teleplay by person C and person D, and usually, usually they get the guys who do the story to come in and help with the teleplay. Well, I, well, I, unless there's a problem with that, or when when we were talking about the names, I was I was wondering about that very thing like was this a when are they giving the story credit because Zemeckis and Gale wrote a script that they then completely rewrote that's that's a very high possibility and if so why yep because you can see if you know if that if that was if that was the eventuality I mean maybe it was too expensive to shoot what they'd originally written or something and then by the time uh, 
they they were ready to go into production they hadn't got a script and so steve fisher and david chase had to do a very quick rewrite Mm -hmm. hence the credit but also hence the reason that it's right obviously something that was done very quickly yeah and you've got to give credit in some way to the people who came up with it because you have to give them that so they get paid so yeah you know, yeah. it's, a, it's, and, and, you know, it's their, it's their story. Fair enough. But, yeah. uh, so I, yes, that crossed my mind. I you usually, the usual time that you see that, that it doesn't mean there's a problem from my experience is when you've bought the story from someone else. So, you know, it's a yeah. novel or something that someone has already previously written. And so you would say story by John Doe. Or maybe yeah, from sure. a short story by John Doe, and sure, which you often which you often see in films, adapted or teleplay by somebody and, else, and, and equally in uh, in TV series, you often see the story credit going to the showrunner, who yep, you sometimes. presume then doesn't have time to actually write the teleplay. Yep. but that's clearly you know given given that it's it's Zemeckis and. Gale here with you know no that's not that's not what's happened here well they could have been very young in their careers uh so they might not have been turning in great stories i mean it, writing a writing a television script writing a movie script is a is a, a it's not just an art it's a craft you have to learn to do right i, I there's a sure very, and there's a very extensive uh, script writing book which i would recommend anybody who's interested in it by um J. Michael Straczynski of, of Babylon 5 fame, who's a highly prolific and produced writer because he cranks out producible scripts. And that's part of the skill. It's, Indeed. It's to write a script that you can hand to a director, that the director can go, I can do that with my budget. That's... you. you that is part of the craft. It's not just having the fantastic idea. If you want to do a fantastic idea with no limits, go write novels. If you want to write screenplays, you have to write. You have to write for the medium that you're writing for. And that could very well be simply that they turned in an unproducible script. Hmm. Um, and, and Well, that so, was certainly the, the first thought that occurred to me. But they might have turned in a, a script that had other, other kinds of problems. Um, yeah. It may be they didn't... It, it didn't fit with the show or mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I feel like I would be interested to know a, a bit more about it. Now, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, let's see a couple other things here along the way. Uh, how did you interpret or feel about the scene where Kolchak sees the police captain takes film out of his camera ducks it in his pocket, and then later pretends to have forgotten to load the film. Too comical? Too cheap? I, you know, why didn't he just put another roll of film in there, and then he'd lose the roll of film, of course, but... Well, it's... I... That's, that's maybe... Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it was... It did seem to me stretching it a bit. Yeah, it was meant to be a comic scene, and it just didn't quite work for me. And yet, at the same time, it's like, well, all right. He's he's had this problem with police captains before, where they take his film. They're always taking his film, so I can totally get having a system. 
Yeah. <laughs> but that one's only going to work the once, too, probably, especially if the pictures ever get published. Like, you know, he said he didn't have film in the camera. There's pictures from the crime scene. I got duped again. So, uh, I didn't like that. We have the completely pointless scene, in my opinion, with the motorcycle salesman, um, which seemed like an excuse to shoehorn in a guest appearance by Jim Backus. Um, Who is quite entertaining. I mean, it's th- that scene, in my view, mm-hmm. is much better than the rest of the episode. I love the bit maybe he's pointless. talking about the Japanese bike. Yeah. You know, that 1970s, obviously, there's still World War II veterans um, out there. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, that's a period of time when Japanese imports were heavily beginning to move into the American market. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of feelings there for people that, you know, we quote unquote beat them back into the Stone Age, as I'm sure Donald Trump would probably phrase it. Um, and then now they're becoming an economic force to reckon with. And, you know, as China is now. So yeah, when he's when he's hey, darn fine bikes got shot down by one of their planes in World War Two, couldn't walk. <laughs> just, just, it was it was silly, but at the same time, it was like oh, yeah, all right, that's that. I, it wouldn't happen now. You know, you couldn't you couldn't have that scene in a show from now because nobody would believe he could have shot down in World War Two. But anyway. well, no. <laughs> Also, this bike has not been seen on this earth. He actually says that for 20 years. I'm I'm quite positive that if I go out on a Friday night to Freddy's uh, uh, Steak Burgers and Custard here along the uh, – up north here in Phoenix, that every Friday night they have the parking lot filled with all the vintage cars and motorcycles from the 50s even now. That the that the collectors have built and restored and put back. So this bike has been seen in twenty years. Oh, in, in, no, in fa- in fairness, it's the it's the tire is made for the bike it that is hasn't the tire. been seen in twenty he, years. He the, did say the, the bike though. In later no, creation, he said the bike that, on a bike that hasn't been seen on this earth in twenty years. Even though Bacchus was telling him, well, it was okay. the tire. Right. So yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I thought that he was saying the tire hadn't been seen, and I, I can kind of see that because you, there's a, I, I guess a, a, a limited shelf life for for rubber. Um, Possibly. I mean, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how you would store a, a, a tire. I guess twenty years isn't that long for it to survive without perishing if it's not being worn. But equally, why would anyone? Why would anyone do that? Why would they preserve a tire? And if you if you can get another kind of tire for the same bike, and that tire is still in production, then surely it'd be much more likely that you would see the new tire um, on on that bike, and therefore this tire would be sufficiently rare. But yeah, I I, I did think I did think the phrasing of it in the way they put it was implausibly categorical yes when all when all you need to do is the, is the kind of suggestion that well this is this is a pretty unusual thing and the reason it's unusual is because it would have been common back then and now it's it's very much less so 
Okay. Speaking of the brief interludes of uh, things, there was also the guillotine exhibition, conveniently. Yeah, what? The Reign of Terror coming in. Sorry, guillotine. Sorry, I, I should have... I should have adapted my pronunciation to match the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but why, why? Yeah. That scene made a lot less sense to me. A, a very implausible leap. It's like, well, people having their heads cut off. Well, France. <laughs> okay. Mm. Now I suppose we'd go find some ISIS group and, uh, find out. But, uh, <clears throat> at the time, I guess Reign of Terror was a yeah, and that and that's the other thing. This is such a weak premise for a creature. I, I have no problem with the idea of okay, if if ghosts exist, well, I have a problem with that idea. But if I didn't, have a problem with that idea, <laughs> right? if if yeah. I was, I'm willing to go as far as to say, okay, we live in a world where supernatural things happen. Uh, yes. cutting a head off well, that, and but then not bit... burying the body. Okay, good enough. I could see how the, the ghost could rise back up because it's not complete. Its work's not finished here on Earth. It can't move on because its head's separated from its body. I get that. <laughs> I chuck the head back at it and uh, all's, all's well that ends well. Well, I mean, yeah, I, yes. All right. I mean, the, the thing about the thing about ghosts or any other kind of supernatural is that it's interesting. It's an interesting. It's an interesting idea. It's an interesting paranormal idea to explore. It's not that we require things in our fiction to be real, or it wouldn't be fiction. Right. It's it's just that it should, in some way, be interesting. So you know the the. The ghost of an arsonist taking over a conductor is kind of, well, more, there's something more to it, mm -hmm. shall we say, than, than this. Whereas here, this is, this is, you know, going back to my complaint about the fact they seem to run out of ideas and they just want an excuse for the motorcycle. This just seems like an excuse for riding the motorcycle around. And I think so. The, the 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 whole question of um, putting the putting the head with the body and everything. It, what what's he been doing for nineteen years while his head and body were together? I mean, if we are if we are believing in in ghosts and an afterlife and all this kind of thing, and the the, the traditional thing is that somehow a, a, a ghost is a spirit that is unable to be put at rest and either um, die you know mm -hmm. completely or uh, go on to to heaven or hell or whatever your particular theological uh, preferences suggest they would go on to do but here the ghost was riding around on a motorbike with the sword immediately after being killed which is fair enough that's that's your classic restless ghost yeah. and then spent 19 years doing what Exactly. I'm guessing he was in hell because he was an evil motorcycle rider from a from a gang. So maybe this is. Uh, I, but I well, agree. if we're buying hell, but point, then but then he has to come all the way back from hell. Is that what we're saying? I think so. Because that that doesn't seem that doesn't seem likely to me. It seems seems like if he if he's still around to 
get back on his bike and start chopping people's heads off again he must have been he must have been hanging around on the same uh, plane somehow during those 19 years just not being as violently head choppy off with his with with his motorbike having yeah. said all that the 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 bowling him off his <laughs> bowling him off his bike with his own skull was a real hoot i don't know <laughs> if it was funny, meant to be I mean, funny it, but it was very funny but it's a bit well, okay, so Kolchak finds a head and then suddenly the, the, the rider intends to attack him. That Which doesn't make sense. That makes no sense at all. And uh, so he did he really put it back with the body or because the body's over in the gray, in the one of the coffins? I don't know. It was just... Well, is the, is the body in the coffin? Because now we're supposed to believe it actually is the... Yeah, I don't know. The, 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 the headless skeleton that's been riding around on the bike i d- i don't know i don't think they thought that one and it, and it kind of it kind of magnetically snaps back together with the head when it's when it's bowled off the bike Which also doesn't happen i mean not 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 just the i've thrown it back and suddenly the parts all come together a skeleton like that does not hold together there's nothing holding it together Right, that's like one of those ones where you hang up in a in a biology lab that's been strung together with wires. I that it's held together. It's held together by well, it's held together by whatever is animating it, whatever force is animating it. But it then I, I think I think it would be fair to say that once it has been reunited and that force has been then freed to should have go scattered. back to wherever it was for the last nineteen years. The bones would have all fallen apart. That's that's my. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think the whole the the whole thing is nonsense. It's inconsistent. It, 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 even in terms of the kind of mythology and theology of, of of ghosts, I don't I don't see where they've got this idea that somehow a spirit would actually care about what happens to the mortal remains anyway. Yeah. It's an excuse. It's an excuse for a bike stunt. A bike stunt. Now, I will give. I'll, I'll, I'm not a motorcycle aficionado, so you know, motorcycle stunts don't really float my boat in thing. It's and obviously, Ghost Rider has been a comic book for many years. Uh, it's about a flaming motorcycle rider skeleton thing i don't know i don't know much about it so i mean there has been some there has been some fiction out there about skeletal riders there's obviously been fiction about the headless horseman uh which is a horseback rider um uh, yeah that's, you know, the, that's... These ideas all come together i'm gonna give them a pass on and no you didn't but i'm gonna give them a pass on <laughs> the makeup because what else could they do in 1975 no, that's not the point. That's not the point. The the point is why. First of all, why do this story? Because it's a rubbish story. Yes, if that's one problem. They couldn't even deliver on the special effects. Secondly, you you could shoot it in a way that made it look less obvious, because 
all you need to all you need to do to make it clear that it's a headless rider is have them refer to it being a headless rider. You don't have to see it with its enormous shoulders and its funny sticky out arms. And 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 thirdly, most egregiously, is you don't then have jokes. Ab- I mean, I don't mind jokes about Kolchak's photography because clearly he's a terrible photographer. But when yes. Vincenzo says it's a Kolchak special, Kolchak claims it's not. It's yeah. not because look, you can see from the photograph that it's a it's a headless man. But actually, you can't see from the photograph it's a headless man. You can see from the ho- photograph it's a badly faked headless man. <clears throat> it's drawing attention to the problem. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I'll. But you know, you get, you give it a pass if you like. I but I'm, it, I it's it not pass. getting past me. What else? What else could they do if they were trying to implement? I mean, I've seen enough headless horsemen. Uh, say okay. I'll, I'll even go so far as to say, um, you know, prior to prior to say the Johnny Depp Sleepy Hollow mm-hmm. uh, movie, but prior to that, there have been several attempts at like the Headless Horseman, and it's always mm-hmm. a guy with his coat up over his head. I mean, it's it has always been that. So that one I get. And well, in fact, I of went, course it is. We know it's not going to be played by I a headless went on actor. Halloween so trick or treating once as a headless person and that's literally all i did <laughs> once i put well, that coat up over my head i was young but i think um, i think i think maybe we have different standards for <laughs> trick or treating and I may have mainstream tv shows i don't know but uh so i you know i now obviously you just you just could not look at that and go okay we're just come on put a blue sock over his head and take it out and computer computer afterwards or something but yeah but before the before there were computers and blue socks there were ways of shooting things that you couldn't actually film for real and and it it, it seems to me like either 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 you you go for it and you do that and you get someone who's actually capable of shooting it in a way that doesn't make it as blindingly obvious what's going on or you go, this story isn't worth the candle. If, if it were a car. Let's just not bother. Let's say it was a headless car driver, for whatever reason. If it were a car, this is an easy ask for Hollywood. You put a, you put a mannequin in there uh, with, no, with actually no head, and you put the driver in the passenger seat underneath the floor. They do that all the time to get driverless cars. But a motorcycle... What could they do? Well, I, I don't know. Yes, but. yes. I realise they can't actually ride a motorcycle without a head, but Maybe, I mean, it's a question of how you shoot it, isn't it? Uh, up to a point, and well, you know, and we, we've already pointed out this is incompetently directed. It probably could have been done more effectively, but you know, there's there's no way it's not a guy with his coat up over his head in 1975. If if you're going to try to tell a headless anything story. Well, it is, and we know, and we know that we know that it's got to be that because we know that it's got to be a motorcycle driven by a human. But we just need we need something to help us suspend our disbelief. Mm. We need it not to be so blatantly obvious. Uh, it would help. It certainly would help. Okay. So, last thing, I just um, again, I don't. It's not a it's not a genre that I'm particularly interested in. Um, motorcycle gang stories and or things like that. But 
the descriptions of what was going on with the motorcycle gangs, whether it's present or not. Like, so for example, when Kolchak is talking to her, to the wife about, you know, well, what about this, this thing? And, and her response is, well, but they're on drugs, not, I'm not. <laughs> so there's starters, motorcycle gangs, always on drugs. Fine. That's the 1970s stereotype. Uh, then they talk about decapitating Harold the Swordsman Baker. And, you know, they, they're just cutting him off on the bike and it accidentally decapitates him. You know, kids having fun kind of stuff. And then the bit about Turk actually carrying the swordsman's head around with him after. I mean, this is, these are, that's pretty freaking gruesome. It's, yeah, one, it's yeah. one thing to say, you know, we put a rope up to knock him off his bike because that's a thing. I don't know if that's a thing people really do in real life, but it's a thing you've seen probably in TV shows. Um, I'm sure I've seen it in many shows where they get the rope on the ground and then they pull it tight just as the motorcycles go by to knock them off the, to knock them off the bikes. That's, that's a thing. So if you were doing that, you were in a rival motorcycle gang, okay, you accidentally decapitate him. Oops, think we'd better bury the body and hide the crime? All right, I can kind of go along with that, because they're not going to let you get away with that without at least being manslaughter. But the fact that he puts it in a bucket and carries it around with him like a trophy? What a sick, twisted mindset. That Well, yeah, but I, I liked all that. I liked, to me... That that part of it was actually a relatively interesting part of the story, and that I, I could imagine that happening with motorcycle gangs. I mean, I guess motorcycle gangs. I don't know a great deal about them, and anyway, our mods and rockers are presumably different from your bishops and well, you guys had mopeds jokers, for starters, but yeah, <laughs> or, or whatever there, but but. That 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 aspect, yeah, it was dark, but it was it was quite an interesting uh, bit, bit of background to uncover. What I didn't feel worked especially well was the. I don't know if it was the. I don't know if it was actually the casting, or if it was just the performances. I think it was. I think it was probably the performances that didn't really convince me that the actors we were seeing were those characters that we were hearing about. They weren't as violent and, as you say, sick as the uh, as the motorcyclists who would who would do things like that. I think I think that's part of I think that's part of what bugs me about it is that even with the opening narration from Kolchak, he's talking about you know the stuff teenagers get up to when they're you know in that time of life where they can try to sneak a beer and stuff. And so there is this, there's this eh, youthful hijinks attitude to it. These are not youthful hijinks. No, they're not, <laughs> they're not. but, they're, but they might be, they might be useful mistakes. And so I could imagine a, a satisfying story being constructed where they were involved in these horrible things and they did commit a terrible crime and have yep. a certain amount of paranormal vengeance wreaked upon them but then moved on to kind of respectable lives and wanted to make sure that that 
stayed hidden. At least they were. At but, least they were blue collar. And I, it's a terrible thing to say, but I mean, the kids who were in a motorcycle gang were not going to go on to be CEOs of big corporations. I don't know. I, I again, it's, I, this may be a British or American thing about that, but I don't know about that because you, I can imagine dropouts. Stuff well, from like a that. from a from a class point of view, the kind of things that public school kids might get up to, who are you know kind of almost destined to either run blue chip companies or mm-hmm. join the civil service or uh, the judiciary or whatever. And, and yeah, I, it's, it's an inter- it's an interesting premise to, to, to have someone in a respectable position who has a dark secret like that. It just like David Cameron and the pig. No, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> And, and and look that up, folks. If you don't know, <laughs> anyway. Well, I'm not. I'm not. Or, or maybe it. don't. <laughs> but 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 yeah. I mean, clearly, clearly, everyone has a skeleton of some <laughs> sort in their cupboard, and some people's skeletons are more appalling than others. Yeah. It just didn't seem to me that the. There, there was any real conviction in portraying these characters as being people with a really, really dark secret that they were desperate to hide, and yet you need to be able to see once once Kolchak has started to uncover it that actually it's true. Yeah. Um, another thing I thought was just a little weird was Coral, the sister. The sister of the of the wife, yeah. You know, the wife was Lila, and she, when she got dialogue, and Coral got mentioned a few times, and then we wordlessly see her step out, look at the motorcycle, get cut down. She just in another terrifying freeze frame. In another terrifying freeze frame. That's right. They just didn't. You know, I, I guess they just needed another body count. They needed another victim, exactly. And so they just have this, this person in dialogue. And there's something about when Coljack talks they, about the number of kills. It's like, they're all dead. I mean, except for Lila, all of the Jokers are dead. They killed them all that were involved in yeah. that sequence. So, you know, he, the way he says three of them dead and blah, 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 it's like, why didn't you just say all but one dead? Because that's what really happened. They, they all got cleaned out. So, I don't know. Four of them just dead. Four of them. Well, there was Turk back in the fifties. Oh, we know. Well, yeah, if we don't count him, I suppose. And then there was uh, Studs and Taxi Driver and and Coral. So f- yeah, four yeah. dead. And that's what Layla said. Those were the five people there, them and her. So yeah, all dead. Uh, but they. But yes, I guess maybe the other uh, function Coral had was to be was we we have to be able to allow Layla to live because she was less culpable because she only watched but she has to be in danger and that's why uh coral needs to be killed because she like lila only watched i don't know i don't know you put up with the fact that turk was driving around with his head in a bucket so it's like yeah you know kids different times (laughs) no 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 anyway (laughs) It, it's it, it is not 
Uh, it is not a good episode of Goljack, I have to say. And uh, but it's but it's another, it's not another one in in a it, we we're in a bit of a dry spell. It feels to me. Well, at least the good news is the dry spell is beginning to uh, run up because there are not uh, too terribly many episodes left of the show. Next time, oh dear. it is Demon in Lace. Um, okay, and we've got um, we've got a creature that we did in fact see later on in the X Files in that one as well. So I won't yeah. go any uh, I won't go any further than that but uh, Simon thank you for joining me my pleasure as always and listeners I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production like us please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes stop by and visit us at our website fusionpatrol.com search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol Check out our Twitter handle, at Fusion Patrol, or just send us an email at feedback at FusionPatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf.